Brother Eric presented that scripture a moment ago from Mark chapter 8. And one of the themes of that chapter, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? There are so many we have allowed to slip through our fingers and have never really told them about Jesus. I think of Joseph Stalin. Did you know he went to a theological school in Russia? And for a while felt the hand of God upon him. One night he wrestled out under the moonlight and the philosophical teachings he received in that school were liberal. He shook his face, fist in God's face and said, No God, I'll never be a preacher. And Joseph Stalin turned out to be one of the great villains of all times, killing millions of people so that he could be on a throne of leadership. I think of Mahatma Gandhi in India. He said one time, I considered become a Christian. And when I saw Christians, I changed my mind. I think I could have become a Christian had it not been for Christians. He said, when I regained the balance of my mind, I determined that cow worship was sufficient for my soul's salvation. We failed him. I think of a young Chinese student who studied four years and was graduated from one of our colleges. The churches did not invite him to attend. Many people ridiculed him. He went back to China, bitter against Christianity, and became prime minister of communist China. I think of two teenagers who grew up in Dallas. Both were rough and troublesome. Faithful Sunday school teacher conquered, contacted one of them every week for a year. Finally, he attended. Another teacher felt they did not need that type of boy in his class. The first lad was saved and is now the Baptist Secretary of Evangelism in Florida. The other assassinated President Kennedy. We let him slip through our fingers. Oh, God grant that we will realize the value of a soul. The value of a soul can only be understood in light of what God did to redeem that soul. We sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child, and forever I am. You think what it cost God to redeem you and me? We were on the slave market of sin. The devil had made high bids for our lives, for our destiny. And then Jesus came. One sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind. The light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and night was turned to day. When Jesus left the glory of heaven, as Janice sang while ago, he came down from his glory, the great 
creator became our redeemer in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 the Bible tells us that God made man in his own image in chapter 3 the devil enters and he tempts Eve and Eve tempts Adam and together they go into sin and the image of God in man was marred irreparably marred and God instituted the sacrificial system he came down and killed an animal, clothed them with the skins, and offered the blood as a sacrifice. And the Bible all the way through says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We do not go to heaven because we're good. We do not go to heaven because we're Baptists. We do not go to heaven because we go to church. We do not go to heaven because we sing. We go to heaven only by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And so God sent his son to die a terrible death. You see, they could have choked him or suffocated him or stoned him. They tried all those things. But it wasn't God's time on him yet. And in Gethsemane that night, it was all settled. He went a little further and prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. If it could be thy will, may this cup pass from me the next day. They carried him out to Calvary. They made him carry his own cross. Simon came along and helped him. And when they got out to Calvary, the skull-shaped hill, if you'd go to Jerusalem today, you could see that same hill. And they laid the cross down and laid the body of Jesus on it and nailed those nails in his hands and in his feet. And then they took the cross up and with a big thud, put it in the hole and the flesh of God tore and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, went down that cross, forming a pool of blood at the foot of the cross, that sinners plunged beneath that blood should lose all their guilty stains. Christ was there. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. And it's all because of Calvary that we're going to heaven. If you're on your way to heaven today, you need to say thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my soul. Secondly, if we're gonna know the value of a soul, it can only be measured by the inspiration of even one person coming to Christ, just one. God said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I called you, I anointed you to be a, a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah offered his life to the Lord. God said to Hannah, Hannah, I'm gonna give you a little boy. And Hannah said, Lord, if you do that, I'll give him back to you. She went over to the temple to pray and Eli thought she was drunk. She was there praying out loud. Her mouth was moving and he thought she was drinking. But Hannah had a heart that cried out to God. A little boy was born in their home Samuel, and when he was weaned and able to go, she took him to the temple and left him there to do the work of God. A little bit later in the night, God heard, Samuel heard, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Eli told him, when you hear that again, you get up and just say, here am I, Lord, use me. And God began to use Samuel as a prophet, a priest, and almost a king. God used him. The Lord reaches down to nobodies and makes them a somebody for him. I think of John the Baptist. Nobody was ever more radiant, more powerful than John the Baptist. Jesus said of him, of men born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. John was a son of promise. God had told his daddy, Zachariah, and his mother, Elizabeth, you're gonna have a little baby. He's gonna be a special one. Don't ever let him drink wine. Don't ever let him mess his life up. And I wanna tell you, mothers and daddies, pray for your children. Give them to God when they're born. Don't allow drink to come in and all the sexual problems that are going on today. Keep tab on them. I think you're wrong if you let them have a computer in their own room or a television in their own room. The, the evil is bound up in the heart of a child. And you can't blame the child if he looks at all that filth and stuff. You've let him do it. Put a computer out where everybody can see it, where the whole family can see it. If he's going to use it, let everybody see what he's looking at. But I want to tell you, there are a lot of teens who have gone way out in left field spiritually because mom and dad thought they were old enough to do what they wanted to do. I don't believe you're old enough to do what you want to do until you die. Everyone here has somebody to whom he's responsible. Teens don't ever get caught saying, well, I'm a teenager, I'm 16, I'm 14, I'm 18, I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. You have to give an account to God of what you do and what you see and what you speak. And the Bible says every idle word will be brought into judgment. God knows all about it. I think of Jess Henley. Jess Henley was one of the great evangelists of years ago. He and R.G. Lee and John Rice were good friends. It was before the cleavage came about independent Baptists and so on. And they were good friends. And Jess Henley was one of God's great men, great preachers. He's in heaven now. He's preached in this pulpit. One time he was here, he sat in the back and he didn't smile very much. One of our young people went up to him and said, Dr. Henley, why don't you smile sometime? Why, he said, how can I smile when there are 40,000 people in Bowling Green that don't know anything about God? You see, God saved him, then God changed him, and God put something into his life that was different. I'm thankful for our bus ministry. I think of Ron Chilton, woke him up one night at 10 o'clock in the night, and he gave his heart to Christ. I think of David Gifford, his daddy's here this morning, David, the whole Gifford family were reached by our bus ministry. And David, when he was a young man, I, I was on bus three for a while. And we went by his house over and over again, every morning, every Sunday morning, every Saturday, and talked to him about being on our bus. He became a bus helper. Then God called him to preach. He went to Crystal. And um, God is using him in a marvelous way at the Mackville Baptist Church. These are men 
that have sat where we sit. Steve Playle called me early this morning. He's pastor in Bristol, Tennessee. Been there, 20, been there 13 years. And Steve reminded me of the times when he came here. And he was a student at Western. And he got saved. <laughs> and Steve saw a 13-year-old girl. And he said to me one day, I love that girl. I want to marry her. I said, Steve, you can't marry her yet. You can't even show any attention to her. Just wait till she's 16. And he patiently waited and remained a little bit longer as a, as a senior at Western. And when she was 16, they started going together. And when she graduated from high school, they got married. But look, who did he marry? He married little Sammy. And Sammy grew up in our church. Her daddy and mother were Mr. and Ms. Johnny Newsom. And one day Sammy came forward in church when she was six. And her daddy came and said, you're too young to know what you're doing. You can't do that. And he took her home. He went out on the road, he was a salesman. He called me from somewhere down near Knoxville, Tennessee that afternoon. He said, preacher, I made a mistake this morning. He said, I told my little girl she was too young. I want you to talk to her tonight. And if you think she understands what she's doing, then tell her daddy says it's okay. I talked with her. She came forward that night and Sammy lived a spiritual, powerful life. She didn't offer her life to boys. She didn't fill her mind with trash. She saved herself for the one that God was going to give her. And Sammy and Steve had a wonderful family. Their daughter is at Southwestern Seminary right now. I want to tell you, it counts what you do day by day. The value of one soul. I think of Steve Playle, some of you will remember first time he ever gave a testimony. I said, now Steve, you do what you feel like you should do. And he brought his guitar to the pulpit and he shocked everybody by playing some old silly song, foolish worldly song. And uh, I wondered what was happening. And suddenly it changes that that's what I used to be. But I'm not that anymore. And he began to sing a beautiful hymn about Jesus. God changes us. The value of a soul can only be understood in light of what God can do with that soul. There's no end to what the Lord can do. And as we think of the value of a soul, we think of what can be accomplished in the years ahead. Hugh McGuire's here this morning. When God changed him, he became, he became superintendent of the Sunday school at our chapel on Fifth Street. When God changed Lee Kennedy, the first revival meeting this church had, Lee Kennedy gave his heart to Christ. The next year he was elected a deacon, and now he's a deacon for life. And I want to tell you, he's a deacon that deeks. He's here every time the door opens. And God's given some tough times to go through, but he keeps on keeping on. God doesn't just call us to be preachers and missionaries, though he certainly calls us to do that. But he calls everyone to be a witness, a faithful witness, a servant of the Lord God. I think of Stephen Stussy. 
Stephen's sitting right down here. He sings a lot. Do you know before he was saved, I don't know whether he even knew he could sing, sing or not. He used to be a mess, right or wrong. Really a mess. I won't even go into that. He can tell you sometime. But he had a friend, Teddy, that invited him to church. Again and again and again, Steve said, I used to make fun of Teddy for inviting me, for always going to church. And church is some dry place where you know, nothing goes on, it's exciting. He came a few times. One night, Dr. RG, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson was preaching. And during the invitation, I felt impressed to go speak to Steve. And right over there, on the third or fourth row, second or third row, Stephen gave his heart to Jesus, and God changed him. He's not what he used to be. He's different. He's a man of God, and God uses him to sing. I think of Larry Embry. His precious wife is here this morning. Larry was a dear, dear man of God, but he wasn't always like that. He grew up sort of rough, <clears throat> He ran a spur station down on Main Street. <coughs> a lot of our people went by there. Sometimes he'd be nice and sometimes he'd tell you off if you tried to witness to him. But we had a lady in our church, Miss Hazel Hall, and she'd get gassed there all the time and every time she would give him a track and she'd tell him about Jesus and encourage him to come and visit. He had never visited here that I know of. And then he, she talked to her son-in-law, Ron Chilton, and said, Ron, you go by and invite him to come. Well, Larry came, and I believe it was the first Sunday he came. He walked down that aisle right over here. He said, I want Jesus to be my savior. And God changed Larry, a new man in Christ. The value of soul can only be measured when we understand the change that God can make. And he can make it in you, whoever you are, wherever you are. God can change your life, but you have to be open to it. You have to want that. You have to be willing to say, Lord, here am I. Use me, take me, make me, and mold me. Well, our time is up. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What can we do about it? Number one, we can commit our lives to telling others. Nobody is excused from that embarrassing work. When you call it embarrassing, I'm using your words, not mine. He that is ashamed of Jesus in this adulterous generation, the Lord said, I'll be ashamed of you before my heavenly Father. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't be afraid that somebody will take it the wrong way. You go to the Hindu, to the Jew, to the Baptist, to the Catholic, to the Muslim, whoever. Tell them your testimony. If you have a testimony, tell them. Start it that way. I was coming back from Louisville one night and stopped at Phony's filling station. Used to be over, out on Louisville Road about two o'clock in the morning. And the man came out to help me with the gas. And I said, can I tell you about the most exciting thing that's happened to me? Why, eyes wide open. I guess he thought I was gonna tell him about some kind of wreck or something. I said, oh, I wanna tell you. And I told him about being on a train going to Florida and a Jewish lady asked me if I were saved. 
and I had to say no. And then I told him how God saved me. And then I said, has anything like this happened to you? He said, no, it hadn't, but I'd like for it to. It was an entrance. Find out some way to get into somebody's life and go out of here today with a heart burning in your soul for other people. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The second thing, God is calling somebody here to be his preacher, his missionary, his servant. You remember in Sunday school this morning we studied about Isaiah? Isaiah didn't wait to be lassoed. He didn't wait for somebody to come and pull him down an aisle and say, here you preach. A lot of people think that's what God does when you get ready, to, when he calls you to preach. That isn't true. God presents the need. And then your heart interprets that need with a willingness to say, here am I, send me. That's what Isaiah did and God began to use him. You can do the same thing today. Thirdly, your soul is valuable, whoever you are. You're very, very precious in the sight of the Lord. God has brought you here. It's no accident you're in this place today. He has a plan for your life. There's a young boy over here that God may be calling to preach. There's a young girl over here that God may be calling you to be a Christian teacher or a servant of the Lord or a preacher's wife. There's somebody here, somebody there that God is touching. Your soul is valuable, but you have to give it to Jesus first. He has to have it. He cannot make something of something that's nothing. And all of us are nothing. Isaiah said, I'm less than the dust of the, of the, in the bucket. And in Isaiah 40, he tells all that. But God began to use Isaiah. And do you know that today, Isaiah is one of the most respected men. He lived nearly 3,000 years ago. We don't remember, we don't forget his name. God can do that for you. There's somebody here, if you just yield yourself to the Lord, there's no telling what God can do with you. You may say, well, I, I don't have much talent. I don't have this. I can't do this. Offer to God what you are. A sinner that needs Jesus. Now, you may be a Baptist. You may be a member of a church somewhere. But brother, if you've not been saved, you're lost. Don't hide behind that baptism and church membership. If God has not changed your life, there's a terrible calamity going on in your soul and you're gonna be deceived into thinking you're going to heaven when you're on your way to hell. You need Christ as your personal savior. Would you turn to him today, whoever you are? Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the value of a soul and what God can do when he changes a man or a woman or a boy or girl. We pray that today the Spirit of God would change somebody and draw them to Christ. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's stand, please. I can hear my Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. That's page 385. 385. Turn there, please. And then look at me just a moment. This is God's invitation. It isn't mine, it's His. In a moment, we're going to, I'm gonna be standing down here. If you're willing to give the Lord your life, whether it means trusting Him as your Savior or offering your life to Him in service, would you come? <clears throat> I'd like to pray with you. 
If, you're never, if you've never been saved, come to Christ. If you've been saved but have not been baptized, you need to come. Your membership may be in some other church and God wants you here. You ought to come today. Do what God tells you to do while we sing and while we pray.